Hey everybody, Chris Avery with you on a Thursday night football edition of Chargers Weekly. We have an impressive lineup to get you ready for Chargers Chiefs, including NFL Network's Colleen Wolf and Patrick Claibon, Matt Bowen of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show, Chargers NFL Nation reporter Eric Williams, and Joe Reedy of the Associated Press. But we'll kick things off with the incomparable Joe Buck of Fox Sports. All right, my first guest will be in the booth this Thursday night, along with Troy Aikman for Chargers Chiefs on Fox. The great Joe Buck joins me on Chargers Weekly. Joe, I appreciate the time. Excited to see you in Kansas City. Yeah, you know, we we as a group are excited. Um, I am personally excited. I live on the other side of the state, so it's not as easy of a trip for uh, you guys out west coming in, but for me to hop over there and see what is kind of the talk of the last quarter of the schedule, I think certainly in the AFC, uh, if not uh, the entire NFL uh, with matchups going down the stretch here. I mean, it's fun. And, you know, we're kind of held to that same schedule that they're held to on Monday night. When it comes out, when the schedule comes out for the Thursday games, we get what we get. There's no flexing. There's no none of that. And you have to hope that you're going to get a great game or even a good one. And, uh, man, we luck out into, I think, the game of, of the month. Uh, and it's our last Thursday night game of the year, so it's a good way for us to go out. Well, I tell you, Joe, for the most part, the slate of games on Thursday have been excellent this year, and it's hard to ask for a better finale, as you mentioned, Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, what intrigues you most about a matchup that, that's really packed with a lot of fun storylines as we get to playoff time? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's good for a number of reasons. First of all, what we look forward to is, is seeing Phillip Rivers play in person again. Uh, it's been forever since we've seen him go uh, right in front of our eyes as opposed to on TV or through highlights or whatever. He's a great guy. He's having a wonderful season, um, and we haven't we haven't done many of his games, and, and that's unfortunate because I know of all the quarterbacks that Troy has gotten to know over the years, mainly because of his relationship with Norv Turner, he, he got to see Philip in year four and was blown away way back then at how smart and how talented uh, he was when he was a much younger guy. And then for us to see Patrick Mahomes in person, I've only watched him, I would assume, like most everybody else, and that's on TV and highlights. And man, I, you know, coming off the game, he's coming off and the no look pass and all that. These teams have developed so much since they met in week one that you almost throw that tape out and, uh, and start fresh because it's, it seems like ages ago that they last met. You know, before we talk about Philip, Joe, let's touch on Mahomes. 43 touchdowns, just 11 picks. He was hit 15 times against the Ravens, but even then he made, you know, that fourth and nine. You just can't teach it. You can't defend it. Is there anybody that you've covered over the course of your career that you can compare what Mahomes has done in, you know, it's essentially his rookie season? Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I, I think that's the part that everybody kind of forgets, you know, that, that he played some snaps last year but it was Alex Smith's team and he had a good year you know and and I think Andy Reid gets a lot of credit here for identifying him for them moving up and getting them getting him 10th overall them developing him uh, putting him in the right system to get the most out of his talents and then for him to kind of take the league by storm I don't think it's a coincidence, though, for a guy that had a dad who pitched in the big leagues for as long as he did, I think six different teams, 
Uh, this kid grew up around professional sports and that at least gets you over the, Oh my God factor. Uh, when you, when you get to, to the big league, so to speak. And, uh, I, I just can't imagine anybody doing it better in any sport. You know, I, I think you could see some kid come up in baseball and, and take the lead for the first couple of months, but to do it all year and go through those kind of hits and plays, said getting knocked around he's not a real thick guy kind of wiry um it's impressive joe i think it's remarkable in and of itself how you and troy can prepare for two games in a week having done these thursday night games and just talking to coaches and players over the course of the season what are the biggest challenges for these teams in preparing for this quick turnaround, not just the road team, because I think there's some just inherent challenges for the road team, especially, but the home team as well. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, what we do is on one level, I, I think it- it's the physical bounce back that it takes to play on Sunday and then turn around and play, you know, with, what do you want to call it? Three days of rest is, is it really rest? I mean, they're, they're at the facility, they're looking at tape, they're getting their bodies worked on. They're at least doing walkthroughs. So it's not like they're just shutting it down altogether. It's a quick turnaround. And and with the punishment these guys go through, I I can't imagine what that takes physically. Um, I think the mental part of it is, lessened because these teams do know each other. Yeah. As I just said, you know, they played week one, they're very different teams than they were week one and they, they're both very hot coming in, but they're divisional rivals and they, they know what makes the other side tick. And when we talked to Phillip rivers, he said, you know, you know what Kansas City's going to do defensively. They play what they play. And uh, so they know what they're going to get. The question is, and they go in there and, and make plays and score points and get a win. So uh, it's been fun for us, you know, for Troy and me to, to kind of go Sunday to Thursday, have every other Sunday off and double up in some of these weeks because it, it keeps, as weird as it sounds, it keeps us fresh. It keeps the information new and you just kind of go in there and, and freewheel it a little bit. And I think it's led to a more fun broadcast and, and we've had a blast doing it. I tell you, the Chargers on the road this year, Joe, when they get on a plane this year, they win. They're 6-0 and outside of L.A. County. The only road loss came against the Rams at the Coliseum. They went to Dallas last year on Thanksgiving and won on a Thursday. And a lot of that success, we talked about Phillip Rivers. And I know that you and Troy have talked about Phillip. Uh, what do you admire most about the way he's played this season specifically? Well, I, what do I admire most about Philip Rivers is, is probably a different answer than what you just asked me. They're about to have their ninth kid. Uh, <laughs> That's number one. And he's, you know, he's in his late thirties and, uh, my God, although I'm 49 years old and have a 22 year old daughter, a 19 year old daughter, and just had twin boys seven months ago. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, fighting for my life over here too, but it's unbelievable. All the stuff he handles. He's extremely smart. I think he's a really, really good leader. Uh, You can tell guys want to fight for him. You can tell guys like to be in a huddle with him. I think he keeps it fun. Uh, He's, he's just one of those guys that the more you do pro sports, you realize you you, you wish that there were more like him because he's a pretty clean cut, uh, you know, no facade to him. He's just a genuine good person. And, and those guys are easy to root for. So 
you know, along with the physical gifts and everything else, his resiliency and, and the toughness to play as long as he has, as well as he has, I just think he's a good guy. And, uh, you know, no matter what he did for a living, I, I think he'd be one of those guys that you'd want to be around. You know, Joe, this Chargers team was in the national spotlight a couple of weeks ago in Pittsburgh. They're down 23-7, came back, won that game. And we know the household names, right? We know Rivers, we know Gates, but a lot of these young guys stepped up. Derwin James specifically, uh, Justin Jackson, the seventh-round running back, there may be a, a heavier load for him. What do you see on this team on both sides of the football, outside some of the big names, a lot of guys that have made impacts? Yeah, I mean, I think you named a couple of them right there. I think this game is going to be Justin Jackson's game, uh, especially if it rains. If it rains on Thursday, I, I just think the bigger picture for Melvin Gordon is to to make the right decision and not push it. I know they're dying to win this game, uh, and and you know, if you want to win the division, you got to win this game. There's no doubt about that, but there are bigger games coming up and at some point in January, this game's going to be a distant memory, whether they win or lose, it's going to be what happens over the following 60 minutes and having a healthy Melvin Gordon and not pushing it on a cold rainy night. If that's what it is in Kansas city, I think would make a lot of sense. So you're going to see a lot of Justin Jackson, uh, the young safety Derwin James. I got a text from Troy who was studying film earlier today. And, and all it said was, and he kind of gives me the heads up as he's watching a lot of the film as I'm getting ready to do what I do in, in these games. He said, Derwin James is a flat-out stud. And, and he doesn't say that about really anybody. And so he's watching film and looking at things that, that this kid is doing, kind of a hybrid player, more down near the line of scrimmage now than he was earlier in the year. Uh, he, he thinks he's fantastic. And, and so they, they've obviously drafted well uh, in, in, that, uh, in that organization on top of everything else. And then Bosa, you know, we haven't seen Bosa. Uh, I haven't seen him in person. Um, and, and I'm anxious to see what he does. And it seems like he's getting better and better. And what Anthony Lynn told us is he's not just getting into game shape. He's getting into game recovery shape. So, the bumps and bruises and what happens after a game are lessening now because he's more conditioned to that. But, but you're right. We're going to see young guys, and, and this could be a big night for Justin Jackson and Detrez Newsom. On top of that, they may be the, the top two guys running the ball for the Chargers on Thursday night. Joe, I tell you, you mentioned Joey Bosa, and I think that's probably the biggest difference in the matchup from week one to week 15 is just his return and four sacks in his first four games back. How much do you think his, just his sheer presence on the field can affect this game, knowing that the Ravens had some success? They hit Mahomes 15 times and got after him pretty good. Yeah, I think it's massive. Um, you know, I don't think the teams that don't have that guy uh, succeed. I, I think this is such a pass-heavy league and this is, is such a light-up-a-scoreboard type league, and we saw that Monday night game with the, the Rams and the Chiefs and what they're able to do, um, and, and really what they do week in and week out for the most part. But if you have that presence coming off the edge, that's a difference maker. That's, a, that's, that's the antidote. It's not load up your defensive backfield, and you know we're just going to cover the heck out of these guys. Cause you, you're not, you're not going to cover Tyree Kill all over the field with as much as Mahomes does keep and plays alive. And you're not going to 
you know, clamp these guys down all game. But if you can get after the quarterback and you can bother him and you can, you know, put that little, hey, don't forget about me in his head, I, I just, I, I think that is the answer. And not a lot of teams have that guy, but obviously the Chargers do. Joe, I love this part of the year because I think the beauty of it is we know who's good, right? But we have no idea what's going to happen in January. Based on what you've seen, I guess, out of the AFC with, with the Patriots, the Steelers, and Chiefs, obviously, the Chargers, what would be your early forecasts as to what to expect in the postseason? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of it. You know, that it's those four teams um, that have to get your attention at this point in the season. I think the Steelers are in a lot of trouble um, considering the schedule that they have coming up and with how the Ravens played this last Sunday, I know they didn't win, uh, but with that defense, you know, defense can travel and we'll, we'll see if, if Pittsburgh ends up winning that division. But to me, the top three teams are the two in the West, the chiefs and the chargers and then the Patriots. And I guess the Patriots blew that game against Miami and all that, but there's not, anybody of right mind that thinks going into Foxborough in January is easy. I don't care how old Brady is 41 and how long they've been doing it. And is he showing cracks and all that? Nobody wants to go there and, and it wouldn't be easy, but I think those are the top three teams in the AFC. And uh, one of those three teams will be in Atlanta in Super Bowl 53. Joe, we'll get you out of here on this. We talked about it. It's a beauty of a game. Based on talking to Troy and everything you've seen from both of these teams, what do you think could decide it on Thursday night? Well, I, you know, I, I know that if you asked me this a year ago um, and I said a kicker, you might have, uh, <laughs> might have fallen over yeah. uh, and, and started rolling around on the ground. I, I think – with uh, what Badgley showed this last Sunday with the kind of range he has, and maybe on the other side, uh, what Butker showed, uh, you know, basically blowing a chance to win that game over the Ravens at the end of regulation after that strip sack by Houston. Um, And maybe it comes down to the kickers. And if that's the case, well, maybe the the advantage goes to the Chargers on that. I I don't think this is going to be 54-51. I just don't. This isn't going to be Chiefs-Rams. I I think this is going to be a tighter game, and if that's the case, I think the better defense is with the Chargers, and we'll see if it's enough to to slow down this train that is Patrick Mahomes. That's the beauty of going into this thing. Well, it's a gem on the Thursday night finale for you and Troy. Joe Buck, Fox Sports, can't thank you enough for your time. Can't wait to see you in KC. Yeah, absolutely. Come say hi. look forward to it. All right, my next guest, one of the busiest people really in his business. NFL Network's Colleen Wolf joins me on Chargers Weekly. And you can see Colleen on NFL Game Day kickoff this Thursday, 3 p.m. Pacific, leading up to Chargers Chiefs. And Colleen, this is the finale on Thursday night. It's been a really good slate this season, and we're finishing strong at Arrowhead. Yeah, oh my God, I'm so excited for this one. It's been such a funny year because... Even the games that didn't necessarily seem like they would be great on paper ended up being so much fun. Like even take 49ers Raiders, for example, that was the Nick Mullins game. And we had Nick Mullins on set with us and Brett Favre called in. And it was just like, 
you know, every single game and show has had a different personality this year. And for us to kind of round it all out with Chiefs and Chargers to finish up Thursday night, I mean, that's a gift. The football gods, everything kind of aligned for us. And I'm so excited. Plus, it's my first trip to Arrowhead. I've never been there before. I haven't so either. Like, I haven't either, Colleen. No, I haven't been there, and I'm, I'm getting barbecue recommendations. I'm, I'm trying to get the whole experience <laughs> into the 36 hours that we're there. Yes. Oh, my God. Let's go get barbecue together. That would be awesome. I'm in. I got, hey, I got like six places we can go. So, um, Okay, good. Explain to our listeners what this season has been like for you, because these Thursday night games, they've been high energy, and almost all of them have had that big game feel. I mean, you mentioned even the Raiders-Niners, there was a fun storyline to that. Uh, Maybe it wasn't there in years past, but for some reason, this Thursday night feels different, Colleen. It does, and I mean, it's obviously different for me, since I'm actually doing it this year. There's so many, usually I'm in studio, so... I don't get a chance to get out that much and be on site and feel the energy. And it is so different. And it's so, it's so much easier to kind of like the energy I'm, I can really feed off of it. And for instance, the Packers Seahawks game this year, the crowd for that game was probably the best crowd that we've had all season in terms of our pregame show. It was so loud. We could barely hear ourselves. I could hardly hear myself think, but it, it just made it so much more fun. And the fans were crazy. They had like cheese sticks and they were throwing like mozzarella sticks at us and stuff. It was just like bizarre, but also really funny. And it, it's like every single game this year, even our game last week, Titans Jags, like Derek Henry just out of nowhere goes off. Oh, yeah. And it seemed like at first, you know, oh, this game isn't so hot. Like, we're, what are we going to do here? And then all of a sudden, Derek Henry was like, hey, I'm going to make your jobs a whole lot easier and have a historic night. Yeah, let's go 99. So, <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. And the other thing, too, is it's been kind of nice and interesting how every week it's a different group of guys and analysts with me on the desk. And so it's sort of this rotating group of different personalities. And so a lot of times with shows, you want to be able to get into a rhythm with people and build chemistry that way. But we haven't had that luxury, but it's also been so great on the flip side because every week I get a different group of personalities that I get to sort of like poke at and see like, you know, who, who's going to kind of take the bait. And it's been like every week, so much fun to see how those different combinations will shine. And and this week it's LT who we all know here at the chargers, Joe Thomas, (laughs) and then the playmaker, Michael Irvin's there as well. I saw you Colleen, you were smashing guitars in Nashville. What's the plan (laughs) for Kansas city? Well, I think this week there is, because it's such a big game, there won't be any type of shenanigans like we had last week with the guitar smash. That was the best, by the way. Like, honestly, I had no idea that we were doing that until the morning of. And when they told us, I, I was like, wait, so are these real guitars, like regulation size guitars? Like, we're actually smashed. You guys went out and spent money and bought guitars that we're going to smash? <laughs> and I was like, my mom is going to be so upset about this. These are perfectly good guitars. Like, when she watches this, she's going to be like, I don't understand why you guys were smashing guitars. But it was, 
it was, it was, I didn't know if I was going to break my guitar. Like I was really nervous about it when I got it. And I was also really happy that we had safety goggles on yeah. in the end. Safety first. <laughs> exactly. Colleen, yeah, that, you have to yeah. lead with that on your reel. That should be like the first thing on your reel is the, the guitar smashing. I'll, all right. I'm going to have to tell my agent, like <laughs> ASAP, you must add that in. Like let's top that off at the front. <laughs> you know, I, I think people forget too that, that you guys had, the Browns Jets game, which was just a yeah. wild situation too, because Baker comes in at you know at around second quarter halftime, the first win in forever there. That that was an awesome moment as well. That was that's probably one of my favorite games of the year, and it was like the morning before um, or the the morning of that game. We had our production meeting, and that was our first show with Joe Thomas. And so we were asking Joe all sorts of questions about Baker and when are we going to see him? And do you have any inside info? And he's like, yeah, no, you're not, we're not going to see him this year. They're not going to play him unless somebody gets hurt. And it was just bizarre because every single thing that we talked about in that meeting that wouldn't happen ended up happening in that game. And it was right before halftime when Tyrod got hurt and Baker came in and the game had been so awful before that. And we were all, it was like a snooze fest in the green room. And we're watching and we're trying to figure out like how we're going to get through the show and like how we can make it interesting and who we want to have on. And then all of a sudden it was like Baker came in and just resuscitated the offense. Everything changed with him in. And that entire stadium, I've never felt a game in the regular season like that. The the energy and the electric atmosphere, it, it felt like the closest thing uh, was probably the NFC championship game the year before when I was in Philadelphia in for that. that. It, it felt a lot like that. And it was like, yeah, the regular season game, but Baker Mayfield came in and then we had him on the set afterwards and he was so cool and calm and confident and just sat with us and chilled with us so I think that was maybe our longest post game of the of the year. Well, you know what's we funny, like, Colleen? I remember watching yeah. that, and it was like a second segment with Baker. Like Baker wasn't trying to leave; like he, he was all in. He he could have stayed there all night. It seemed like <laughs> we were literally like, "Oh my God, Baker's still with us." Okay, I guess we're just gonna keep going. And they were like, "Like he, we gave him these shirts to throw to the fans and said goodbye to him." And we were about to like sign off or go to commercial. And then all of a sudden he came back up on the set and sat back down. And so the producers were like, keep it going. So we were like, okay, cool. You're back. How about some more cake? Oh my God. That was awesome. (laughs) You know, Colin, you have that unique vantage point of seeing so many of the top teams this season. This will be your first time seeing the Chargers from afar. What's impressed you about this team? Oh, like every year I get really excited about the Chargers, especially in the off season. And it seems like every year, just they're, they're snake bitten for some reason. Something happens. And this season feels different to me. And I know that now there are some injuries like Melvin Gordon, the running backs. Like, uh, it, it, it seems like this team, though, is just different and they're destined to go into the playoffs. And I know that the Chiefs have sort of owned the series, but that doesn't really, that, that doesn't really matter to me because this Chargers team is so sneaky good, and I kind of like the fact that they have been a little under the radar. Even with the fact that they've been playing so well, I feel like they really haven't gotten the attention that they deserved. I think that they're sort of underappreciated this year, and mm-hmm. Philip Rivers is always underappreciated. And I think that this game, people will finally see how great they are. 
Well, and that's the thing too, Colleen, is, you know, I just talked to, to Joe Buck about the fact that we know the household names, right? We know mm-hmm. Antonio Gates and, and Philip Rivers and, and Keenan Allen, but there's some other guys on this roster. And you mentioned, you know, we don't know Melvin's status as we tape this, but a guy like Justin Jackson showed out on, on a national stage a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. against the Steelers, Desmond King with that punt return. And then Derwin James, well, I don't know what else we can say oh, yeah. about Derwin James and just the season that he's had this year. Yeah, and that's the cool thing about these Thursday night games is there are so many people just don't get a chance to really dial in and dive into these rosters and and see these guys that aren't household names. And finally, on Thursday nights, anytime there's a primetime game like this, we really get to see these guys shine, and especially the rookies and the seasons that they've been having. And it's like, I think a lot of times, teams get lucky when they have primetime games in the beginning of the season because they start kind of getting that attention throughout the year. But this is a game for the Chargers that I think will be a little bit of a turning point, especially for their young guys. What do you make of the Chiefs as we tape this in in mid-December? I mean, these guys have been rolling. We know about that ridiculous Monday night game against the Rams. They lost Kareem Hunt. But at the same time, Patrick Mahomes has looked like the same guy from week one to week 15. There's been no drop off. And he's got to be the leader in the clubhouse right now as the MVP. Yeah, he is so much fun to watch. He is. Especially this past week against the Ravens, because I was a little worried. I thought that for sure was going to be a really huge test. And it was for them, for their offense, but really for that running game. I wanted to see how the Ravens would kind of shut them down and how the the Chiefs would look without Kareem Hunt in there. And Patrick Mahomes, it's like no matter the situation, he doesn't really – he's not like – he just shows up every single time and he rises to the occasion. And even his bad plays, when you think that a play is dead, he somehow keeps it alive. And he just – he pops off the screen. He really flashes in these games. And he's just so good and so much fun to watch. He really is, and it'll be interesting to see what happens in, in December versus January. We don't know. You know, I've used his example a couple of uh, times this week. A year ago, and this is directly to to the team you cheer for, you know, when Carson Wentz went down, everyone thought the Eagles were done, right? And then what happens oh, yeah. a month later? You go to the Super Bowl. You know, it, so we have no idea, based on what's going on in December, what's going to happen in January. No, and that, I mean, that's like the best part, but – the thing with this game, it's like it could determine the division winner. It could yep. divi- it, it could decide who's going to have home field. I mean, the winner, it, it's crazy to think that the winner here could have home field throughout the playoffs and then the loser, even though they could have the second best record in the AFC, could have to play on the road as the wild card team. That's crazy. It, it really is. And like you said, this this week can dictate a lot or it will dictate a lot in terms of what's going to happen with both the Chargers and Chiefs come January Colleen Wolf, uh, you can see Colleen on, on Good Morning Football Weekend, and that's every Saturday. It's 6 a.m. Pacific, Sunday, 4 a.m. Pacific. Colleen, when do you <laughs> yeah, sleep? Right, 4 Pacific. Is, is, is there a time where you can sleep? No, nah, I sleep on Mondays and Tuesdays. It's great. I just, like, catch up on everything then, and then I'm, like, hooked up to a charging station, and then they just <laughs> let me go for the rest of the week. I love it. Well, hey, you've been absolutely crushing it this year. It's been awesome to see you on the pregame show Thursday night and the postgame show as well. I look forward to seeing KC. We'll grab some barbecue. Yes, sounds good. Thanks so much, Chris. All right, guys, before we get to Matt Bowen, I want to tell you that the L.A. Chargers rely on Bose QC35 headphones, too, to block out distractions and focus on what matters most. 
The same powerful noise-canceling technology helps you concentrate on your music, your work, maybe this podcast, or whatever you're passionate about. Learn more at Bose.com slash Chargers. Bose, the official headphones of the LA Chargers. Also want to tell you that the Chargers and Tender Greens are teaming up with Sean Merriman for the Lunch with the Chargers Legend sweepstakes. One lucky winner and a guest will get lunch with Sean, plus a behind-the-scenes tour of the Hogue Performance Center. Just three steps to enter. First, got to follow Tender Greens on Instagram. Then go to tendergreensweeps.com to enter, and then share with your friends. Simple as that. Enter today for your chance to spend the afternoon with Sean Merriman, all courtesy of Tender Greens. Based on who we talked about at number 17, who do you think is the best fit for the Chargers? It's Darwin James. I do. I do. And, and, you know, I, I'm a little partial there as an ex-defensive back, and, but I look at how a guy like that, and I see what, what Cam has done in terms of overall impact. You have to know where he is at all times. And that's Seattle defense, right? And especially their great defenses of the past couple of years. You can't run crossing routes. If you do, you better have some rib pads on, okay? All right, he's an impact your run front. He's just an, a dominant force on your defense. And I look at Coach Bradley's system and what they do, and you put him in there on day one, and he's going to tackle too. I know how important tackling is. Coach, you play cover three, you don't tackle, you don't have a chance. So he's going to tackle. I think that's a guy that could possibly be there again it's march 1st we don't know yeah but since we're playing that game on march 1st i'm gonna say derwin james is the pick if i'm the la chargers all right that voice you just heard was espn's matt bowen back at the nfl combine in indy predicting derwin james the chargers it was march 1st it was even before derwin worked out in indianapolis and matt kind enough to join me now matt i think it's safe to say that the derwin james selection has worked out pretty good for the chargers yeah, it really has. And going back to when we talked about it at the combine, it was more than just about scheme fit. Uh, you know, and that's what you do during the offseason. You look at whether it's offense or defense side of the ball, who fits your scheme? Because I think it's the first place coaches look. Well, yes, they want talent, but they, they want talent that also fits your scheme, allows them to develop them with their coaching traits. And that's an ideal spot for Durham. It always has been because of Gus Bradley, because of what they do on the defense, defense side of the ball. And when you watch his film this year, I've always said this, you know, you don't want to see guys as flash. You know, that happens with a, with a lot of young players, especially rookies. They flash from time to time. They show you that high-level talent. He does it pretty consistent. Yeah. And that's why I think right now he's the leading candidate for defensive rookie of the year because he is right now, as I see it, one of the most complete young players at the safety position. He can roll down in coverage and play top-down on route. He can impact the run front. He can blitz off the edge. You can use him as your, in your sub package as a dime or a nickel linebacker, and he can play over the top. And he's – I looked at a couple of plays earlier in the year when he's playing, you know, flood routes, which are three-level routes, and he's got to sink and flip his hips. It, it's a smooth transition for him as well. And we know about his closing speed. And ultimately the best thing is that he's so physical. And that's yeah. what you want. If you're a secondary coach, you can win with that. You can fix everything else. And granted, we can both go back to the film and look at situations where uh, Darren has a false step or he took a poor angle or doesn't have the proper leverage. But as a coach, I look at that and say, that's all right. you gotta make the got to make the mistake first so then we can correct it together. But what I can't coach is your physicality, your competitiveness, that ability to play at a top level consistently in terms of your effort, your speed to the football, and your ability to finish. And that's why I love watching him play. Now, I'll tell you this. I'm putting together a piece for ESPN. It'll be out next week. I do it every year. It's called my shutdown index. And what I do is I take all the defensive backs in the league and I look at the top players 
at the cornerback position, free safety, strong safety, inside the slot. And I grade them on, you know, specific categories. And right now, uh, Derwin James is going to be the guy that's most likely to coach. He's going to be the best rookie safety. Wow. And he's going to be mentioned as one of the most complete safeties. Impressive, man. And, you know, Matt, he's been used everywhere. You have the luxury of being able to play him in the box. You use him at free. When you, when you look at this Chiefs team, where's the best spot to use him on Thursday night? Is it, is it just a combination of everything? I think it's a combination of everything uh, because, they, you know, we know Gus is going to play some 3D zone coverage. That's who they are. You know, you don't change who you are for one football game. So he's going to be rolled down as a curl flat defender where he can impact the run game, where he can buzz underneath an out route, where he can carry uh, a seam route up the field like a Travis Kelsey. Um, and I think you want to use him in pressure situations as well. And that's one thing going against Patrick Mahomes, and the Ravens found that out last week. I thought the Ravens played really good football. You know, Mahomes made plays late. That's what he's done all year. Uh, but when you pressure, uh, you want you want guys that can redirect against a quarterback with movement skills, and that's what Patrick Mahomes does. He can extend plays uh, just as well as anyone in the NFL. At times, it looks like Aaron Rodgers. I want his ability to get outside the pocket and throw from multiple arm angles throw from multiple platforms and still put heat on the throw down the field. It's super impressive. So, uh, you know, especially in third down situations, I wouldn't mind seeing Derwin as a part of the blitz front in specific situations. You know, Patrick Mahomes, I tell you, right from week one, Matt, he has been probably from start to finish the the leading candidate for MVP, 43 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. What's the most difficult part of defending this guy because he's just been he's been so consistent. I think everybody was waiting for a drop off. It just never happened. Yeah, I agree, and that's why I looked at this Ravens team as a great test for him because the defense is pretty multiple. You know, you watch Baltimore and film, and they give you a bunch of multiple fronts. They got guys mugged up to the line of scrimmage, then they're dropping the coverage, late safety rotation, very physical corners. That's a great defense to watch. And early in that game, um, they were playing, like I said, playing great football. Like he, but Going back to what you said, he still continued to finish that football game and play at a high level in critical game situations as well. I really think it's a combination of a lot of things. One is Andy Reid's offense, okay, and what Andy Reid has done to cater to his quarterback. That's a mix of old West Coast that I played against with Andy Reid when he was the head coach uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles early 2000. Same routes, okay, but what he's done is added to that with more college spread stuff as well. A lot of pre-snap movement, a lot of post-snap movement a lot of misdirection that can grab the eyes of second-level defenders to create open throwing windows. And he doesn't need, <laughs> you know, most young quarterbacks need a pretty defined roadmap where to throw the football. He doesn't need a very big throwing window, no. uh, given his arm count. He can put it anywhere on the football field. Now you add that to his athleticism, his ability to create off schedule, well, that's a lot to defend. If I'm a defensive back, that's a, that's a lot of work to get ready for uh, on game day uh, because of what he can do within the system as well. You know, that week one matchup, one of the big players that was not in that game, Joey Bosa, number 99, how much does yeah. his presence affect what the Chargers can do defensively, maybe getting to Mahomes w- with four and, and then just kind of drop it back? Point. Well, that's, a great, that's, that, that's the ultimate thing you want to be able to do is to be able to rush four and get home with four, not necessarily put the quarterback on the ground, but impact that throwing platform, create disruption. If you can disrupt the pocket, then now you can Drop seven into coverage. Now you can play cover three. You can get back to in some into some quarters. You know uh, the Chargers aren't a big two deep team, but they can play some two deep, especially in third and long situations. If you got the guys up front and having Bosa back, and he looks great on film right now. 
He does. Uh, he's getting home to the quarterback. You're seeing the same things. And with Bosa, I mean, just like his brother, you watch his brother at Ohio State in his film, uh, it's the high-level technique. You mm. know, it's one thing to be a great athlete off the edge. There's a lot of great athletes off the edge in the NFL. It's another thing to have that high-level technique to mesh with that athleticism. So with Bosa, you get the speed off the ball, you get the power on contact, and then you get the hands. I mean, some of that stuff is teaching tape now. His ability to slap down hands or rip over hands, create an angle, use a spin move. Uh, just such a high-level player. To get him back at this point of the season, uh, I mean, that, that is such a great thing for that defense because going back to what your point and what it does for Gus as a play caller based on game situations, said, look, we trust our edge guys are going to get home and disrupt the pocket, and that's going to allow us to get play with depth, at least force the ball underneath. Now we can drive downhill and tackle and get off the field. Yeah, he came back at the perfect time for this this playoff push. You flip it over to offense, Matt. If it weren't for Mahomes and, let's say, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers may be the leading candidate in this MVP conversation. He had thrown for multiple touchdown passes in every game this season up until last Sunday against Cincy. He's got 29 touchdowns, just six picks. He's been taking care of the football, especially on the road. Uh, what's impressed you most about what Phillip has been able to do this year? I just think he's so dialed in. Here's the thing about Phil Rivers, and we talk about it every week when we're getting ready to do the, uh, you know, the matchup show at ESPN, is his ability to diagnose and read defenses pre-snap. I mean, that's such a high-level trait of Phil Rivers and allows him to know where he's going with the football. I mean, he's a master at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he is. Just up there, just like Breeze, just like Brady, just like the vets have been playing this game for a long time. So as a safety, you're going to show him one thing. He knows where you're going. <laughs> you can try to hold that disguise all you want. That's great. You know, that goes back to when I was in the league and guys are playing against Peyton Manning. You take one step downhill, he knows where you're going. <laughs> you're already beat. So uh, it, that's a part of it. But also, he, he, I mean, he's dealing. He's dealing with the football right now. And you know what the Chargers want to do. A lot of high-low concepts it means you have one guy underneath, one guy up top. Allows Phil Rivers to read those second-level guys, attack the throwing window. They're going to run a lot of man coverage beaters. Thursday night. That's what Kansas City is. Mm. Kansas City's a man coverage team. A lot of free safety in the post, but guys playing man coverage. This is the type of game where Keenan Allen should be very productive because you can run rub routes. You can run Allen on crosses. You can have him win at the line of scrimmage where he is so smooth off the, off the ball, off the release versus press coverage. And that allows him to create separation. And when you do that and you have a free safety that Phil Rivers can manipulate with his eyes, in the middle of the field. Now he can create even more voids in the coverage to deliver the ball. Yeah, you know, Keenan had 19 targets against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I, I think you saw why he's probably one of the best route runners in this league. I mean, if you put a yeah. linebacker on him, right, it, it's lights out. Yeah, it is. And that's what Pittsburgh was trying to do. They're trying to play what, you know, we, we call mass coverage. And that's matching to the defender. I, I, I describe it like uh, anyone who's played basketball. I mean, there's a difference between a 2 3 zone and a 2 3 matchup zone, right? So mm-hmm. you're not spot dropping, trying to match the defenders in your area, and it almost turns into man coverage. So I call it matchup coverage. And, and you know, Phil Rivers got him. He found a matchup he won. And that's what he does. And when he gets that matchup, he doesn't miss very often. Matt, another guy. I want to ask you about, and we've talked about him at length in the past, it's Desmond King. He's a a former Hawkeye Mm -hmm. like yourself, and he has made 
game-altering plays all season long to a point where I'm just going to list a few for you. Uh, he had a big 50-plus yard punt return against San Francisco. Uh, two picks, big punt return in Cleveland. He had a pick six of Russell Wilson in Seattle. 40-yard kick return in Arizona. Uh, of course, that 73-yard punt return for a touchdown under the lights in Pittsburgh. What is it about Desmond and just this knack to be able to make the big play? I think that. You know, one, he's a Hawkeye. That helps. No, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, that's the thing. Desmond's been, been doing that since he, since he got to Iowa City. Okay, that started earlier Desmond's college career. Uh, and I've always said this. Guys that are around the football on defense, they're not there by accident. Okay, I don't care if you get seven picks that are all tipped. You're still around the football. Guys that, like that, you know, I describe it like this. I said it to someone before. It's like... uh it's like anyone who's seen the Matrix when Neo's dodging all those bullets. You know, everything that slows down for you as defensive backs. There's some DBs that play in the Matrix, right? And they, they are they're magnets to the football. That's what Desmond is. Now, Grady, you know, everyone knows he's a physical defender. Um, he's a great, again, a great fit for the scheme, like we're talking about with Derwin. He's a great fit as a slot corner in Gus's scheme because he can play underneath, because he's physical, he can tackle. He could drive downhill in the football. He has an ability to close windows. Like we were just talking about with Phil Rivers, attacking open windows. Those windows close, just like the, the pick six against Russell Wilson. Buzz out as an underneath thrower front defender and go get the football. But also what he can do on special teams. And that's a huge bonus to them. Because let's go back to the combine. You know, Desmond ran the low four fives. And everyone said, well, that's not, that's not fast enough. I mean, turn on the tape. Don't tell me he's not fast enough. He's got game speed. It's all that matters. It's all that matters. Uh, because he's, in, what, what he can do is a kick return, a punt return. Uh, that's his vision. That's being a football player. That's being physical, understanding. And you go back and catch punts in the NFL. I'm telling you, I used to cover punts. You're going to get hit a lot. <laughs> You're really going to get hit a lot. It's a physical position to play. And also his ability to find daylight as a return. That's a natural instinct ability. You can't just necessarily teach that and put – Someone back to them might run in the low four fours to go return punts. Now, there's an art to it. There's a craft to it. And that's a big bonus of what he brings to this football team. And, you know, he wasn't back there in week one when the Chiefs and Chargers went head-to-head. He, he's really secured the special teams, the, the kick return game and the punt return game. So he could play a factor on Thursday night for sure. Another guy I want to ask you about, a Chicago guy, Justin Jackson, Northwestern's all-time leading rusher. He had a memorable college career, uh, a durable guy. He came up big against the Steelers, 82 total yards and a touchdown just in that second half. Matt, with, with Gordon and Eckler banged up, a lot could fall on Jackson's shoulders on, on Thursday. What do you like about Justin's game? Well, here's an interesting story. I, Justin Jackson played in the state championship for Glenbar North, which is about 20 minutes from my house. And I called the game on TV for NBC Sports Chicago. This is back, what, 2012, 2013, whatever it was. And Glenbar North were in a pro-style system, kind of like Stanford's offense. You know, they were downhill power. And Justin never came off the field. Played defense, too. I want to say kick extra points at a time during this. He did everything for Glenbar North. Like I said, great college career with a great college coach in Pat Fitzgerald. A great college coach and an excellent program in Northwestern. Um, and I think when you look at Justin Jackson, especially that Steelers film, I think he surprised a lot of people. I think he did because he did show the speed to the hole. Okay. He did show power on contact. He did show that extra wiggle to slip tackles and make defenders miss. You can win with that. You can win with that. 
And here's the thing about the running back position. Again, measurables. I don't care. I don't care once we get to the games. Show me you can play the game. Show me you can pass the check from Phillip Rivers. Show me you can catch the football out of the backfield because that was a big part of that first, or early in the season, especially for the Chargers, and that first game against Kansas City, what they did with the running backs in the passing game. You know, whether it's a swing route outside, whether it's going to the flat as part of a flood route, whether it's creating a pick route like they did early in the season against Buffalo for a red zone touchdown. Those things matter. Getting a line, getting a running back matched up to a linebacker, which they did versus Kansas City in that first matchup inside of the red zone. So the running back is such a high priority in this offense. And Justin Jackson might not have the high-level athletic traits of a Melvin Gordon, but he can produce in your offense because of the players around him. All right? And when you open enough crease for him to find that daylight, he can put his foot in the ground and get up the field. That's an amazing story. You actually called that game in high school mm-hmm. with Justin's. That's incredible. It was Glenbar, Glenbar North versus Mount Carmel, Chicago Mount Carmel. Yeah, I did. It was a back-to-back. That was the first time I've done this, Chris. So we did the 7A game first, which is my alma mater, Glenbard West versus Lincoln Way East. And then you get like 10 minutes off. <laughs> you do another game. Uh, man, it's a, it was in Champaign, University of Illinois. We had, and I didn't know, you know, I've never done this stuff before, okay? So uh, I didn't know that uh, the glass was going to be open. I was freezing. I was freezing <laughs> up there. It was, it was Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, man, I, I just, I, talked, I, to, I just uh, talked to Joe Buck, and, you know, he's got to prepare for – Thursday and Sunday, but 10 minutes in between, that's a tight turnaround, man. It is. You have a quick warm-up trophy presentation, then you're back in the air discussing the next game. Um, and you know, in high school, you're going to get the spread. Some teams run double wing, some teams run pro style. Uh, so you are a lot of different things are going on through your mind. And Mount Carmel is split back beer. So, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was an interesting experience for me. I love doing. It. I loved it. I, you know, I coach in high school. I love high school football. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, I got I got to brag on you. Another state title, right? It is won our third state title in a row. I see Catholic Prep in Elmhurst, Illinois. Uh, just amazing. And it's a, it's. I talk about this a lot with people. This is our senior class. Our senior class at I see Catholic in the last three years went forty-one and one. They all played a sophomore. There was a class built on leadership, on character, and toughness. And we have kids. We have a couple of kids who are going to play Division One football all the way down to Division Three, Division Two, and NAI. Just a bunch of tough kids that are going to go on and play at the next level at different levels. But we'll never have another class like that. Never. Not in terms of the leadership. And I mean, we we could go out there as coaches and watch practice, and they would run it. I mean, that's a t- when you have that as a coach. It's a great thing. I want to see them develop from when they started playing varsity ball as a sophomore until they graduated as seniors and go into the last game. We played Bishop McNamara out of Kankakee, which is south of Chicago. We play them every year. So it was the sixth time we played them in the last four years. So when you have a team like that, just like Kansas City and uh, the Chargers this week, there's nowhere to hide. I mean, you're not going to surprise anyone. You are who you are. And they're pro style, downhill physical, high formation. They'll get into a little two-by-two spread. Um, but it was a battle. They won 31-21. I mean, one of the most physical high school games I've ever been around. Um, and we're a small class, so we're 4A out of 8A. So both us and Bishop McNamara, those kids don't come out the field very often. You know, you're two-way players and special teams. So, uh, but it was great. I mean, in the playoff run, I love the playoff run in Illinois um, because we are smaller, so we go out west, we go south, we play some wishbone uh, beer teams, play some wing tee teams. 
and then you play some spread teams. So every week is a new challenge defensively as a coach to get your players ready, one from a game plan perspective, but also personnel matchup perspective. It's much different, you know, tackling a 230-pound fullback than it is playing against the spread and playing the zone read. No doubt. So, you know, that's a lot different. But really, this has had such a major impact on my life. Um, to get back into the game of football and the coach, uh, especially at that level, um, because the games mean everything. They mean everything uh, to, to those kids at that age. Um, and to win three state championships, they'll never forget that. And it will help them in, later in life. It will help them later in life. It's priceless stuff. And, and I love the parallel of you talk about Bishop McNamara and, and you know these divisional matchups. Like you said, the Chargers and Chiefs, they know each other. Uh, I'll get you out of here on this, Matt. You've watched a ton of tape on both these teams. I know you watched that that week one matchup in your estimation, what's the most important thing the chargers need to do in this one to get the win in arrowhead. Find Tyreek Hill. Uh, and what I mean by that is you understand Tyreek Hill is in the field. We all understand, but where is he aligned? Okay. That's a big thing for me. If you go back to the, when the chiefs played the Rams, that Monday night shootout. Okay. We'll go back to week one against the Chargers. And Tyreek Hill is inside in a trips formation. So I mean, there's three receivers to one side. He's at number two or number three. So you count on outside in one, two, three. He's going to get the football. How are they going to get it to him, though? A lot of times it's verticals with him working across the field. Right? So you have to understand where he's going to be. And that's tough if you're playing a cover three defense. What they're trying to do there, Chris, is get a matchup versus a linebacker down the middle of the field. And that's very – I mean, it's a tough matchup for any linebacker in the NFL. It's a tough matchup for any DB. Tyreek Hill runs a 4-2-40. He can, he can fly down the field. So find him, and also you have to limit Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's playing at such a high level right now. Um, physical, very good route runner. And with Patrick Mahomes, he's going to put the ball wherever he wants to right now. Matt Bowen, awesome stuff as always, man. If you guys haven't, it's appointment viewing. Be sure to watch the NFL Matchup show. I believe on the West Coast, it's Saturday mornings, 5.30 a.m. Pacific. It's also on overnight and early Sunday mornings. So if you're not up, just DVR it. You have to check it out. Uh, you and Greg Cassell, awesome work. How, how has that been, man, to, to be a part of that show this year? It's been awesome. It's been awesome. I think it's a, uh, for me, it's a great show to kind of fit my skill set and what I do um, as an analyst. Uh, sort of be able to watch film and to break it down and use it almost like a teaching tool. I look at it uh, very similar to coaching on the field or teaching in a classroom. You're teaching a subject, and it's how you break it down, how you present it. And you do it in a way that people can understand and learn from it. Because that's what people want. They want to learn from it. Uh, and it's been great. You mentioned Greg. Greg is awesome. Working with Sal Pell Antonio, I mean, those are two leaders right there, two very good leaders who have helped me tremendously. This is the first time I've done something like that. You know, we talk about doing the high school games. Well, this was brand new to me as well. So the comfort level they've allowed me to be at is has helped me so much grow. I mean, I've always said, you know, if I look at the first show I did beginning of the season, I think I've improved a lot. It's no different than being a player; it's just reps, reps, and doing things and getting that experience. So I've loved it. We've done a lot of charts, and we're going to keep doing the charts. Obviously, we're not going to do them this week because they're playing on Thursday night, but we will be back doing the charges very, very soon. And I tell you, man, that's why I wanted to have you on. I always learn something when I talk to you. Matt, you're the best, man. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll be watching you on NFL Matchup. All right, thank you.
NFL Network coming in strong this week. Patrick Claibon here at the Hogue Performance Center. Patrick, what's up, brother? Uh, good, man. Just good to be out here. This is my first time coming down to the Hogue, and I, I really like it. It's a nice little scene yeah. here, right? It's, it's picturesque. I see uh, wind coming through these this amber waves of grain almost uh, <laughs> outside of the front door. And, and really, it's it's really nice. Yeah, well, it's quiet here now, but a short week for the Chargers. What did you learn about this team in the, the few short hours you were here? Uh, well, just short being the operative phrase there because it's just such a quick turnaround. Yeah. And uh, talking to Damian Square just about game planning, because um, looking at what the Ravens did against th- this Chiefs team, it's, it's so exotic and they move mm. in a way that no other team can. And so you really can't get caught up in in their method uh, to attacking this offense. And, and what Damian said to me made sense. It just have something simple that you can execute well. Uh, because with Tyreek and the things that he can do and Mahomes and the things that, that he can do, even even without Kareem Hunt, there's there's just so little opportunity uh, for you to, to get something done. And so they got a lot of a bag plan, of tricks. Yeah. You know? And and when you have you have the tricks, right? That's one thing. You, you plan for the tricks, but when it's just sheer talent, there's there's only so much you can do and there's only so many things you can do uh, to counteract that. And so you just gotta play the best game that you can play. Kareem Hunt, not in the mix, but you alluded to, I mean, Damian Williams, yeah. Spencer Ware, those guys come in and, and do a remarkable job. And there's just the sheer speed of Tyreek Hill coupled with the arm of Mahomes, the just the improvisation of Mahomes. That stuff is very difficult just to game plan for. And, and if anything, they kind of fly on the edge of the needle, mm. right? So it can go horribly wrong, or you can have a fourth and nine situation where quite frankly maybe one of the more dangerous situations when Patrick Mahomes has to make a throw and he has nothing to lose I watched that play like 10 times this morning still don't have an answer for you no <laughs> if if there's green grass that Tyree Hill can get to before somebody else and Patrick Mahomes has some slot mm. whether it's a 90 degree slot straight over his head or coming straight from his hip if there's a way to get it to him he can get it there uh it's it's always going to be low percentage but when you can't stop it you just can't stop it just talking to some of these guys in the locker room and think about these Thursday night games, especially for the the road team. It's an uphill battle. You got to get on a plane. You got to get rest. You got to prepare. Uh, the thing about this Chargers team, though, Patrick, is they're six and zero when they get on a plane this year. They're undefeated outside L.A. County. Their only road loss came to the Rams at the Coliseum. So they've done it. Uh, They haven't beaten the Chiefs. They've lost nine straight to the Chiefs. But this is a spot that I don't think is too big for this group. And and you could see it on Sunday night uh, looking back against Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh game. Great example. Just a resilient team that – at any point, uh, people from the outside, oh, the, you know, the, you know, Chargers down the stretch. Here we go again. Yeah, 23-7 at the half. It's But they just they just did it. Justin Jackson played great in that game. Uh, people looking forward uh, to seeing what he can do, depending on Melvin's availability for Thursday. But they're, they're not afraid. They're not afraid of the moment, and they're definitely not afraid of this Chiefs team. And honestly, uh, talking to Derwin uh, right off the bat, Obviously, he's a young guy. He's an exuberant guy, but yeah. just fired up for an opportunity to he does, play. He doesn't, he doesn't play doesn't like a rookie, though, no. and, that, and that's the thing. He's got this. He's got this alpha mentality that, you know, Sunday was kind of an introduction to the nation of these Chargers. Y'all know who Antonio Gates is and, and Philip Rivers, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But you didn't know 
Derwin James necessarily, yeah. uh, Desmond King. We <laughs> talk about Justin Jackson. Yeah. Justin Jackson hadn't done that all year because he hadn't had to, yeah. but he comes in in a big spot. So it's neat for, I think, just being on the inside here and, and then seeing these guys catch the eye of, of people around the league. And it's about time. Honestly, it's about time because this, this team uh, has the talent and they've, and they've got the opportunity. And to some extent, especially from my point of view, um, we tend to focus on names sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the franchise, especially after the move, um, if the wins aren't there, there, there wasn't, there wasn't that, that, time, that type of focus. And you see, and that's why the pairing with Derwin just made so much sense to me, is because you have a franchise that has had all this, this success and has all this opportunity in front of it this year. And it, it was kind of an afterthought. And then you had a guy who was clearly one of the top ten players in the draft. Yeah, and they they just kind of met, <laughs> whether it's fortune or fate, and somehow he he falls to this team, and the team goes on, on this run that is this 2018 season, and I I, I think it's it's perfect. Yeah. I think the way that it, it that that matched up is perfect, and you get this this guy who can play an edge safety, <laughs> which is like a position that maybe didn't exist. Well, so, you, so now you it does. You couple that with, with the return of Bosa too. Yeah. You know, Bosa's had four sacks in, in his first four games back. But you're right. I mean, I think once we see Bosa hit his full potential this year, I mean, keep in mind, this guy didn't play football for like 13, 14 weeks. So you get Bosa ramped up. You got Ingram ramped up. I tell you, Derwin may be the third best pass rusher on the team. And that's something that this Chiefs team perhaps doesn't have to deal with. So often teams are game planning for them. But when you have Bosa coming back for his fifth week, yeah, I believe. This will be his game and, five. And Derwin's opportunity to do every different thing that he does to an extent that not many you can have Weddle coming off the edge and he's a good football player he, he's not he's not Derwin <laughs> <laughs> physically he, he can't do the things uh that that Derwin can do and so they have to game plan perhaps more than this Chargers team has to plan for one of the best offenses that we've seen in the, in the past 10-15 years in the National Football League yeah and, and so it's it's honestly, I feel more on the Chiefs uh, to do what they need to do to get this win, even though it's on at home and even though it's on a short week. Yeah, this this week will dictate a lot, you know, because if if the Chiefs win this game, they're going to win the AFC West. Yeah. If the Chargers win, you got a shot to run the table and perhaps get a, a buy. So I, this this week is important on so many different levels. Um, just from kind of a a uh, thirty thousand foot view, your perspective of of the AFC this year has been wacky. We saw some crazy games on Sunday. Uh, how do you see this this AFC and really just the NFL in general, man? It's been it's been a a year. Like I think we say this every year, but there's just been so many surprises. And, and coming into the season, it felt like, especially towards the end of the playoffs last year, there there was an AFC NFC imbalance there. There, there were some a, a top heavy situation in the NFC that I, I feel the the ascension of this Chargers team has helped balance that out mm. a, a little bit, um, especially considering what happened to Pittsburgh yesterday. I, I don't know if we can trust that, that Steelers team. That North uh, is up. For, I mean, Cleveland's even mathematically yeah. in the mix right now, <laughs> you know, which is hard to believe. And so it's the, the wild card uh, gets crazy. Uh, I'm sure the, the Ravens, um, able to come back, especially after that tough loss, and then seeing that the Pittsburgh lost, you know that 
certainly helps their motivations no uh, uh, coming up towards the end. But the, I, I think the imbalance is is gone, and the idea that this is just another Patriots coronation, I, I finally think that most people are done with that idea. And I, I honestly, I haven't believed it in, in some time, but. I, I just don't see an easy run uh, of New England even to, to get to the championship game. You know this better than anybody because it, it's such a week-to-week league. You know, we're, we're crowning the Rams Super Bowl <laughs> champions in week nine. Then all of a sudden it's the Saints. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden the Saints lose the Cowboys. Yep. Then all of a sudden Jared Goff goes into cold. The Rams only score six points against the Bears. I don't think anybody knows now. I mean, we sit here almost in, in mid-December. We're still – at a loss for what's going to happen in January. Yeah, and it's and there's so much variance in that that even after the fact, whenever it does happen, right? We're going to have a champion this 2018 season. We're going to take that and we're going to say, "Oh, well this is this was destined to be the outcome the whole time." It, yeah. it won't be. <laughs> no, it won't be. <laughs> it won't be. It's going to come down <laughs> to two or three plays and, and who makes them and we it's it's the name of the game. We have to decide after a, a Chiefs Rams game that well this is football now yeah every game is going to be 50 54 to 51 yeah. and then 15 six comes around <laughs> yeah. and so defense isn't dead um your your favorite contender isn't dead uh it, it's going to come down to to wacky moments uh you know joe flacco hits jacoby jones you know uh, julio can't find the ball in the end zone it, it's it's going to be just those moments and what team can capitalize and make plays in those moments and there's no way to know either before or after the fact and that's what makes our league great a year ago i think it was carson wentz goes down against yeah. the rams and guess what the eagles were done yeah it was, were, it was a wrap for the eagles because yeah, nick i would have been the first person to tell you yeah nick Foles. are you kidding me nick, nick Foles. last two weeks, last two weeks of 2017 <laughs> nick didn't look like the super bowl mvp no he certainly didn't and he hasn't since yeah but isn't that you know one moment in time <laughs> and, that, and that's it that's yeah. all it takes your one shining moment nick Foles. he's he's winning the super bowl he's he's going to disney world and it's it doesn't make it any sense but that's that's sports yeah and it shouldn't make any sense and i i I love that we can celebrate um that it doesn't but more often than not the the better teams are going to make plays and uh and i I, i'm i'm hopeful that we won't have a situation where an mvp candidate uh goes down late uh this season we're able to see how this season ends with with everybody on the field especially Especially Melvin Gordon, uh, mm. everything that he means to this Chargers team, and and that's something that uh, Mike Pouncey uh, said today. You know, it's obvious there's 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 no replacing uh, what Melvin does, and and the numbers just jump off the page. 137 yards with Melvin in the backfield, yeah, and 72 without him. It's a different it's, ball game. It, it, and you know what stuff. it does, Patrick? It, it makes Eckler better. Mm-hmm. You know, Eckler w- was outstanding Sunday against the Bengals. That that first quarter, I think nine seconds into the second quarter, he had 82 total yards mm-hmm. and a touchdown. But they couldn't get anything sustained after that. So it, it just it shows how important. And I tell you, that, that Pittsburgh game, let's say these guys do – meet again in January. It could be a totally different ball game with Melvin Gordon setting the tone, controlling yeah. the clock, controlling the, the offense early. Yeah, and that's because in this league there's so many gifted players and so many gifted play callers, but if you have something that they don't, you have an advantage. Yeah. If you can do something that they can't do, and when you have players that can do those things, 
it's always going to help no matter how the results go no matter how many how much the numbers look like oh well you know it doesn't really matter because uh, pittsburgh you know the for most of the season, they felt that way about Le'Veon Bell. It's like, oh, we're we're getting yeah. we're getting this production uh, without him. But there's things that certain players do when they are able to raise the level of their game in, in big in big situations and open things up for teammates that you just you can't discount talent. You can never discount talent. And it always league. shows up at the end, right? Yeah. It, it, they, you may be able to get by for a week or two or three, but when you need them the most, that's when it shows up. So I, I agree with you. I, I think Melvin's. Uh, he's, he's vital to this team. Whether or not he goes Thursday, we'll see what happens. But, uh, Patrick, we'll get you out of here on this. Who are you watching on Thursday? What do you think is going to decide this game against the Chiefs? Uh, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. Um, I, I saw so many movements because there's – with games going, you know, you get tempted to watch red zone. But I, I'm just watching this Ravens defense uh, take on Patrick Mahomes and company. And I, I saw Matthew Judon and – Sometimes Weddle uh, coming off the edge. And, they hit him 15 times. And, and I don't know. Whatever Sizzle's uh, nutrition plan is, sign me up, man. <laughs> Looks like he's 25, man. <laughs> Give it to me. Um, I, I know he's probably frustrated because the 28-year-old uh, Terrell Suggs probably has three and a half sacks in that game. And, and they win. Uh, but Mahomes was able to get away. But if, if Bosa and Ingram uh, can get in, if they can get home, if they can, if they can just bother him, uh, just limit his opportunity, then I think it forces Andy Reid and company uh, and Bieniemy to, to to call a different game, mm. uh, perhaps the, the game that they don't want to call, and and that's and that's how you do it. And then on the other side, uh, Phillip's going to be Phillip. You know, Phillip is going to make the plays that that this uh, Chargers team needs to to move the ball and, and to get in the end zone. Uh, I presume a few times, but. So I feel like you can count on that, whether yeah. Melvin's back, whether Austin's back. They had the balance in the passing game yeah. to make that happen, too. I mean, Keenan Allen, five touchdowns his last five games, but it's not just him. you got you got Tyrell and Mike mm-hmm. Williams, even the tight ends. When you need a play, 85 can make it still. And and they, they, can, they can hit you in every different way. And being able to have those options, especially people might look at the numbers and the way it breaks down. It's like, oh, Travis Benjamin doesn't provide this. He – Absolutely, it's a, it's a crucial he needs part to be accounted of this offense. for every single play. Yeah, every single play, and so you don't know if Orlando Scandrick is going to be on on the field in that situation five or six plays. Mm. Can can the Chiefs afford to do that, yeah. uh, even with that pass rush? And so I, I believe in this uh, Chargers offense, and I, and I think if Bosa and Ingram are able to get home. Uh, two or three times, then that changes the way that this game goes. It's going to be a treat, man. It's also on NFL Network and Fox. Patrick Claybon, appreciate the time, my man. Uh, thanks for having me, man. All right, as we roll on here on Chargers Weekly, very pleased to be joined by Joe Reedy, Associated Press. Joe, Chargers with a short week. Let's rewind, though, to the Bengals game, 26-21. What did you see from this Chargers team uh, in a game that they were probably supposed to win? Yeah, I think, Chris, it was mainly – I think mentally was more important than anything. You're coming off an emotional win at Pittsburgh. You got Kansas City in four days. This was the ultimate in trap games Mm. against a Cincinnati team that's vulnerable, but a quarterback enough athleticism that you didn't know quite. I was pretty impressed with Driscoll, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I think he showed the second half of the Cleveland game what he could do athleticism. But in Denver, with those ends in that line, they really were able to compact things on them. But 
they they stuck to the run, which was a stable for Marvin's earlier years, especially with Mixon. I think that was 25 or more carries by a Bengals back for the first time in two years, and that used to be mm. Marvin would have those six, seven times a year. So they got back to basics, kept it close, and uh, had a shot at the end, and, you know, the replay reversal loomed large. But in a game that you had to get, they got it, and a win is a win, and they all count the same. Absolutely. The the win in Pittsburgh counts the same as the win against the Cincinnati Bengals. I think one of the things for the Chargers that they're going to have to clean up a little bit, the Bengals had great field position, especially in that second quarter. You, you start in Chargers territory, the offense was backed up you know, inside the five-yard line for that, that second quarter. It felt like the entire second quarter. Uh, so it's just one of those things where if the offense can get going a little bit, the field position game, I think, is going to be big in Kansas City. Yeah, huge, especially with that stadium night game, the wind. I think we rarely seen a Chargers team, though, where the field position after those first two drives, four times were inside the 17, three times were, in, were, in, were inside the 10. Yeah. We normally don't see that from this team or in a game. And Kevin Huber's a great punter. I had a chance to see him for five years and what he can do on inside 20 punts and inside 10, and especially what Darren Simmons can do as far as those directional punts. So, you know, the Bengals did their job on that and played a field position game and had a shot. I think it'll be different against Kansas City because I think this may be more of a shootout game where average field position will probably be to 25 to 30. This game on Thursday night, these Thursday night games – are very strange, especially for the road team. It's it's hard for both teams to get ready for a Thursday night game. Uh, more of an onus on the road team to get prepared, to get rest, than to get on a flight. Uh, for the Chargers, obviously we know the Chiefs have had their number. Uh, what do you think the biggest key is for the Chargers going into Arrowhead Thursday night? I think the fact they got Joey Bosa back that'll up the pass it's rush. It's a big deal. But also, I mean, heck, that Baltimore game, we saw we saw. Patrick Mahomes come up with new arm angles that didn't exist. Yes. I mean, <laughs> you probably got physicists and labs wondering what angle that you fourth call and that nine, throw. Joe, to Tyreek Hill. I've never seen anything like it. Really, the Chiefs had no business winning that football game. That fourth and nine gave them hope. Yeah, that get that gave them the win. And I mean, that's the thing. Kareem Hunt isn't isn't there anymore, but I think with what Ware can do being the solid back, moving the chains, and you still got to count for Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill burned this team in the week one meeting. Even a a hurt Tyreek Hill, who was limping at the end of the game, seemed to be the fastest player in the NFL still. Tyreek Hill, you mentioned him. Uh, The Chargers got a heavy dose of Tyreek Hill in the first game. The punt returns. Uh, Obviously, Donnie Jones is now the punter. Drew Kayser was a punter at that time. I think containment of Tyreek Hill is so important, but even if you take him out of the equation, Joe, these guys, the Chiefs, have found ways to just put in different pieces and it all works. I mean, even without Kareem Hunt, you put in Spencer Ware, you put in Damian Williams, those guys come in and play a big role. Spencer Ware had a good game on the ground on Sunday. And uh, Eric Berry might play in this game from what I've heard. And you know, it, this team has done a very good job over the years of containing Travis Kelsey. They have. But where is point. the game where Travis Kelsey is going to loom as a factor and explode on these guys like he has on other teams? And, I, I mean, we all know 
Arrowhead is probably the loudest stadium in the NFL to play. Primetime game Thursday night, playoff seating, the division. It's going to be interesting, but I also think with the Chiefs, their two losses, it's kind of like with the, with the Rams now. When they face competitive or even defenses, how can they do? And I think Baltimore solved Mahomes a little bit. Rams definitely did in that Monday night game. And New England did. So now with Bosa and the upgrade, you know, and what the Chargers have been able to do on defense, does that turn the tide a little bit? It's possible. And you look at that Ravens defense, they hit Mahomes 15 times. Okay, so we talk about Joey Bosa coming back. He has four sacks and his four games back. Not only Bosa, though. You, you know, you're looking at, at Ingram. You're looking at that interior pass rush. A guy like Isaac Rochelle who stepped in when Bosa was out. Filon had a great game. Filon had a great game. That, that really game-saving sack on the two-point conversion attempt. So it's not just Bosa and Ingram. Even Derwin coming off the edge. And I think you mentioned Travis Kelsey, Joe. The matchup that I'm looking at is Travis Kelsey versus potentially Derwin James. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, what can Kansas City's other receivers do? And, you know, defensively, because Mike Williams had a good game against Kansas City in the first game. Keenan went off in the first game. And then remember when we were all wondering when Keenan Allen was going to reach the end zone again after the Kansas City game? Five straight games now. Yeah. (laughs) Funny Funny how that all turns around. But I also think the underestimated thing in this game, special teams. Chargers finally have a kicker. Mm. And with Desmond King, what he's been able to do in the return game, that can help turn the tide and field position a little bit too. Yeah, Michael Badgley, of course. And and this is another thing that's different, a different wrinkle from the first week. Desmond King wasn't back there on on kick and punt returns. Michael Badgley wasn't on the field either. So to have your special team shored up, and you talk about Michael Badgley, what he's been able to do, I think he's 20 of 21 on extra points, 14 of 15 on field goals. Uh, This was a game they needed – all of those points. You know, we talk about the 59-yarder. The 45-yarder at the end was probably more important because then Jeff Driscoll's got to go the length and score a touchdown to win the game. Yeah, and, you know, with it kind of reminded me of a, of a similar Bengals-Chargers games of the past. You know it's going to be close. You know it's going to come down to a couple plays. The, you know, Marvin gambled a couple times. It went against him in the third quarter that led to a Chargers field goal by going for it for fourth and one early. But that's the thing. These teams now rarely play, but it seems like every time they do, it's an interesting matchup. No, no doubt. Joe, we were talking about Kansas City. You know, there's been a lot of Chargers fans that I think may make this trip. Restaurants, you and Eric Williams were very kind enough to give me some some suggestions. For Chargers fans going to Kansas City, I know you've been there a few times. Let me know. I mean, Jack Stack's high-end barbecue, but it's near the downtown hotels and in the uh, Power Park area where the Sporting KC Stadium is and everything and, and down near the Sprint Center. Oklahoma Joe's very well known, but that's out more toward Kansas okay. in a former gas station. But Gates... With they're they're a chain, but a very well known chain. Uh, I think Eric mentioned Q39, which is very good too. There's no shortage, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, very good barbecue. And the thing about Kansas City barbecue to me is Carolina. You know, kind of with the vinegary type sauces. Texas maybe a little smokier in terms of brisket. Kansas City to me has everything and. You know, the sauces are kind of middle of the road, but just very solid and good cue. I love it. I love it. Joe, before we get you out of here, 
just the landscape of the AFC now. We saw some wild games in Week 14. The Miami Miracle, is that what they're calling it now? Yeah. The Patriots lose to the Dolphins on that crazy play at the end of the game. Uh, the Steelers, who the Chargers beat last week, lost to the Raiders. Obviously, that, that Chiefs-Ravens game was a classic. How do you see the Chargers fitting in here? The Texans lost to the Colts. How do you see the Chargers fitting into this AFC as we enter Week 15? I think we'll know a lot more at the end of Week 15 as to uh, where they may be. I mean, a 12-4 and team being the first wild card just seems un- unfathomable. Seems like a reseed situation would be needed, you know? <laughs> yeah, where, I mean, it it very likely could happen, but I think... You were hoping that Baltimore could pull it out yesterday and truly make this game for the division, but if the Chargers can win, Chiefs got to go to Seattle the following week, and Seattle's very much in it, which that's going to which that's gonna be a slugfest. Chargers have Baltimore. There's going to be a lot to play for on that Saturday and that's then right. kind of the all-division Sunday uh, the last week of the season. But, I mean, that sixth wild card is going to be very interesting. You There's, got you got Baltimore. Indy is still very much alive. Tennessee, Miami, Miami, and I mean, if Cleveland wins out with the matchups the last three weeks of the season, if everybody else went one and two, Cleveland could get in. Could you imagine? I mean, with Greg Williams and winning out, I mean, they got Denver, then host Cincinnati, and then Pittsburgh that last week of the year. It's it's not daunting for them to, for them to do that. So, you know, they have seen North very much up for grabs. I think the East is basically New England's. South, I know Indy still got a shot, but I think Houston's got a pretty good hold on that. Sure. And and I think we'll we'll have a pretty good idea about the West after Sunday. December football, man. Nothing better. Joe Reedy, the AP. Thanks so much, buddy. Thank you. All right, guys, before we get to Eric Williams, a quick break to let you know that this season we've taken Chargers Weekly to the next level. That's because I'm using Bose QuietComfort 35 Headphones 2 on air now. The powerful noise-canceling technology helps me black out distractions and brings you the latest news on the LA Chargers. And when I'm not recording, I tell you this every week, these are my go-to wireless headphones. They help me black out noise. I'll use them on the team plane on Wednesday so I can concentrate on my game prep and, of course, bring you that next episode of Chargers Weekly. Visit Bose.com slash Chargers to learn more about the most powerful Bose headphones yet. Bose, the official headphones of the NFL. All right, the spotlight gets even bigger for the Chargers. Thursday night against Kansas City Chiefs. Now joining me, Eric Williams, ESPN. Eric, long time since you've been on the podcast, my friend. I know you've been keeping me off, Chris. What's the deal, man? It took <laughs> like three months. It's not so much keeping you off. It's saving you for the biggest moments in the season. I like to look at it that way. I feel better about that now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a big spot, man. Listen, this is a, this is a game that's going to decide a lot for the Chargers moving forward when it comes to the AFC West, the wild card situation. First glance, what do you see here on Thursday night? Well, I mean, you know, I've written about this earlier this week, you know, the nine-game losing streak that they have to the Chiefs and, and what are the factors, you know, involved in that. And it was great, a great breakdown on ESPN.com. So I went back and looked. Uh, the Chargers over this nine-game span, they're minus 14 turnover differential. The Chiefs only turned over four times in nine games against the Chargers over that stretch. So they've really kind of limited mistakes. It's and, incredible stat. And forced the Chargers to, to make mistakes in terms of gaining possessions. So that's one thing that stuck out. Uh, during that stretch, 
the Chiefs have averaged 136 rushing yards a contest. So they've been able to control time of possession by running the football. So that's going to be something that I'll watch for. Um, along with those two things, the Chargers have averaged just over 15 points a contest in those nine games. So they haven't been able to score. Mm. So they have to flip the script. They have to get points, not field goals, but touchdowns when they're in the red zone. They have to take care of the, the ball. They have to take the ball away in order to gain some possessions. And then I think not only do they have to stop the run, and we know Kareem's not playing, they have to run the football. And it'll be interesting to see if they're able to do that because they'll likely be without you know, Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon. We shall know, see. We shall see. I don't know if Melvin makes it back. If that's the case, you're going to rely on two rookies, Justin Jackson and Detrez Newsom to carry the load for you in terms of the running game. Um, and so, you know, it's an uphill task to be able to win. It's already an uphill task to, to try to win an arrowhead anyway. It's the tough, one of the toughest places to play in the league, I think. On and a then, quick turnaround, on too. On a quick turnaround, and you're, you know, you're a little bit hampered offensively in terms of your weapons. You mentioned those 15 points a game the Chargers are averaging against the Chiefs. The Chiefs and the Chargers, the only two teams in the NFL that have scored 20 points at every single game this wow. season, which is interesting. That is you know, interesting. so So are we going to see a shootout? I don't know. But one of the things that, that struck me in Coach Lynn's press conference on Monday, he didn't talk about the nine times. He talked about the three times uh-huh. that, that he's been head coach. Yep. So he's not looking back to, oh, we've lost to the Chiefs nine straight times. And really, if you want to go back, go back to Phillip at the beginning of his career mm-hmm. against Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, he there have a- been stretches where he he's owned them. So yep. it's, it's not like something that – I think is in the heads of the Chargers per se. It's just they haven't been able to get it done against this team as of late. Yeah, I think that's fair, particularly if you're if you're Coach Lynn because you weren't coaching those six times previous before no. you took over the team in, in 2006. He wasn't there when they had the 24-3 lead in the second half I against the Chiefs. Taking, you were there. I took a picture of the, the fans streaming the stadium leaving in the third quarter. And I was like, hey, you guys might want to come back. Yeah. I actually came back to you know force overtime and win that game. So, yeah, I think I've, I've been there at all of them you know, in terms of the losses. But you're right. It is kind of the, the ones where Lynn has been coaching this team since 2017 and and really just, you know, can they overcome some of the mistakes that they've made in those previous games and just be consistent um, and can really just keep playing like they've been playing throughout the year. They've won a lot of close games. Um, uh, they, they've kind of, you know, put themselves in position to win those games. Can they do that again on Thursday? Turnovers are going to be a big deal in, in this. And that's the thing with this 2018 version of the Chargers. Away from Rocky Field, a stub-up center, in seven games, you've only turned it over four times. Mm-hmm. So I, I I marvel at that because it's one of those things where Phillip has done such a good job of, of taking care of the football under the Lynn administration, you know? Yeah, it, it's really been a change for him. You know, before Lynn took over, he had a career worse, what, 21 interceptions, I think, in 2016. I think he just has six interceptions this year, if, 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 I'm, if I'm correct, uh, 10 last year. Um, so he's done a great job. But I think what's been cool about that is he's still making explosive plays. So it's not like he's not taking shots down the field. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think he's being mindful of when he takes those shots, uh, where they're out in the field when he takes them. And then you have to give receivers credit. They're going out and making plays. And when they don't have a chance to catch the football, they're now turning into defender and knocking the ball down. So it's really a combination of a lot of things that have led to them uh, just doing a much better job of turning it over. And if you don't turn it over on the road, you usually have a chance to win the game. I think protecting Phillip, too, is going to be 
of the utmost importance. Chris Jones has nine sacks in nine games. Really? Yeah. He has a sack in each of his last nine games. And we don't talk about the Chiefs' defense that much. That's a three sack, right? Yeah. Wow. So we don't talk about the Chiefs all that much when it comes to defense, right? But Houston, Jones, those guys can get after the quarterback. And even though they give up a lot of points, uh, the pressure up front, the offensive line of the Chargers is going to have to be ready. Yeah, I, I think they're they're last in the league in terms of yards allowed, mm. if, I'm, if I'm right. I used to cover Lofa Tutupo with uh, the Seahawks. He yeah. used to always say, yards don't matter, points do. Yeah. So those yards that you give up in between the 20s, they don't really show up on the scoreboard if you're able to force field goals. As we've seen with this Chargers defense this year. As we've seen with the Chargers, kind of that bend-but-don't-break philosophy. And while the, the, the Chiefs have given up a lot of yards, I think at times they've made critical plays when they've needed to make them. You mentioned the nine sacks by Jones. I think Houston came up with a big play against the Ravens. That strip sack. Forth. So when they need to make plays defensively, they've kind of toughened up, bowed up, and, and made plays. And I'll be interested to see if they can do the, the same thing against the Chargers. That, that's obviously one of the matchups you're going to watch is that Chiefs defense against that Phillip Rivers-led offense. Phillip has had his share of turnovers against the Chiefs. Again, I know we don't want to look all the way back to yeah. 2014. Because Marcus Peters is gone. Marcus Peters was a <laughs> big, helps, he right? was a big problem. <laughs> he was a big uh, contributor in that. But six interceptions for Phillip last year uh, against the, the Chiefs. This year, obviously a little better job of, 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 of keeping, keeping the ball and holding on to it. Um, but on the road, got to take care of the football. You go back to week one. There's a lot of differences. Obviously, the running back situation on both sides could be different. Mm-hmm. The biggest, I think, for the Chargers is the return to Joey Bosa. Four sacks in his first four games back. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes was hit 15 times against the Baltimore Ravens. How much of an impact do you think Joey Bosa's just presence alone will, will make in this game? Well, I think it's significant for a couple different reasons. First of all, you're, you're adding one of the best defensive players in the league to a, a defense that has been playing better as the league goes on. So now it's a matchup issue. They have to know where Joey Bosa is on the field at all times. And because of that, Melvin Ingram, Isaac Rochelle, Darius Phylon, they're going to get better opportunities because now they're trying to figure out how to pass protect on 99. Mm. And then also, uh, Coach Reed mentioned this on the conference call this week, 99-54 together on one side of the field and those guys' ability to, to run games. Um, I looked at the stats in terms of how many times the Chargers are blitzing this year. It was 12% of the time they were rushing at least five guys without Joey, just 6% with Joey. So that lets you know that they're really relying on the front four to create pressure, and now they don't have to blitz as often. Early in the year, we saw Derwin James being used more as a blitzer, very effective. But now if you have Joey, you feel like, okay, we can just create pressure with the front four play coverage and I think that helps you maybe limit those explosive plays because the Chiefs I think are number one in the league in terms of creating explosive plays. Where do you see 33 in this game? Do you see him in the box? Do you see him on Kelsey? Kelsey has been quiet against the Chargers Mm -hmm. as of late but that doesn't mean he can't go off at a moment's notice but I think where you put Derwin James could be very intriguing in this ball game. It's hard to predict. Yeah. Um, I know I think against the Rams he played back more often because Mm -hmm. they were so concerned about giving up those explosive plays but it seems like he's been more effective near the line of scrimmage particularly in the run game you know chasing down runs from the backside and just his ability to get people down on the ground uh, you know both in the run game and the pass game. I think he's going to play close to the line of scrimmage. That said, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back there playing deep safety because you're so concerned about number 10. 
you know, number 10 really hurt them in the first game in terms of his ability to create explosive plays. And you don't even a hobbled number 10 is, is the fastest guy in the NFL. Yes, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and, and you don't want to let that guy get going. So, I mean, he's a game wrecker. So you're going to have to figure out where he's on the field and you got to get him down. You know, special teams, too, Eric. I think the Chargers need to flip the script on special teams. Mm-hmm. They have to take it to the Chiefs right off the bat. Tyreek Hill had a 90-yard punt return for a touchdown. Really yeah. kind of took the air out of that game right from the beginning. J.J. Uh, Jones had that fumble. With Desmond King back there kind of securing the special teams and, and what we've seen from Michael Badgey, which we haven't seen around here, uh, a kicker that can go 4-for-4 four four and really win that game for the Chargers, 59-yarder, yeah. but more importantly, I think that 45-yarder at the end, yep. that's going to be vital here. Yeah, I mean, the Money Badger, which, you know. Love it. Did Twitter, you coin that? Uh, I didn't coin it. A guy on Twitter, I got to give him credit. Okay. I, I think his name was Alex. He's the guy that, that suggested that It has it, caught fire. <laughs> and, as it should. It's as a great it nickname. Uh, I think Badgley likes it, and he's lived up to the nickname. He's I think embraced he's only, it, man. He's only missed one field goal, 59-yarder in his rookie season. That's pretty ridiculous to be able to say you have the franchise record now just in your rookie year. And know. the way that came together, Eric, with, with the the kick return for King, a, a pair of 11-yard receptions, and yep. then just that, uh, was it, uh, it was an offsides. Yeah. An offsides. Yeah. It put that together where – you know, we were thinking knee, get to the half. Sure. And you're able to get three points out of the deal. And I had seen him in pregame. I think he had made one from 62. So I wasn't surprised that um, that he made it. And I guess the, the, the thing about that is Lynn having faith in him that not only can he make it, but it won't get blocked. I mean, because mm. you're, you're concerned in that situation it gets blocked and now it's seven points the other way. Um, so that and then the kicks that you should make, 40 and under, you don't feel like he's going to miss it. You just feel like he's going to yeah. go there. And and this should be automatic it. in this league. You know? It should be. And, and now you have that, and I think it's really kind of lessened the anxiety for Lynn and the rest of the team. Players mentioned it too. When they see Badgley go out there for a 38-yarder, they're like, yeah, we, we know he's going to make it. They have confidence in him. So that's been big. Desmond's been big because mm. he's just a sure-handed guy as a returner. You know that you're going to get possession of the ball, which is number one. I remember he used to cover Mike Coleman and Seahawks. He didn't care if he got anything out of the punt return game. He just wanted the the ball ball so he can get his offense on the field. And I think it's probably a similar scenario with Wiz. He just wants to get Phillip Rivers out there so he can get going. If you get a first down, great, we'll take it. So I think that's been big as well. And then I think with with Donnie, you're not getting the booming kicks, but he's a great directional kicker. I think he's 38 yards net, so you're not giving up big returns. You might not get the 50-yarder, but – the guy's not taking it back yeah. to the house, and that's big. That's the underrated layer in all of this. You can't let Tyreek Hill yes. have any shot at returning a punt. Get that ball out night. of bounds. Get it out of bounds, 100%. Yep. Eric, we'll get you out of here on this. What's going to decide this game? I, I think we're going to see a healthy dose of Justin Jackson regardless. And, and this is a kid who showed up when the lights were brightest in the second half of that game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, He doesn't have a lot of carries in the NFL, but he averaged 285 carries at Northwestern. Mm -hmm. It could be a big spot for him. And he's played in cold weather, so he's used to that. That's a great point. That helps as well. I think it's going to be running the football and and controlling time of possession because you have two explosive offenses and you want to be able to, to play keep away a little bit with either Mahomes or Rivers. So running the football and then turnovers. Can you create a couple extra possessions if you're the Chargers and, and take a couple possessions away from that explosive offense? We've kind of seen it. Uh, you know, the Rams go to Chicago. Um, explosive offense. They're playing in cold weather. 
the Bears are able to hold them down a little bit. Stop the run. Ravens, similar. You know, they go and they're able to kind of hold them down a little bit because they can stop the run and they're able to kind of make the game a little bit ugly because of their defense. Um, And so I think that's going to be what the Chargers are going to need to do in terms of their defense, stop the run, get off the field, get the ball to your offense, and then maybe steal a turnover or two in a critical situation late in the game so you can – you can get a victory for the first time in 10 games against this team. Yeah, it's a big one. Barbecue, too. What do, what do we got? I asked uh, I asked <laughs> Joe about it. What, what's your go-to? Well, I like Oklahoma Joe's. Okay. And usually when I get off the plane, the first trip, I don't even go to my hotel. Straight to Oklahoma Joe's. I either go to Oklahoma Joe's Check or in at Oklahoma Joe's. <laughs> one of those two places I'm going to because I that's what I want when I go to Kansas City. So those are my go-tos, Oklahoma Joe's uh, or Arthur Bryant's. Uh, Jack Stack. Gates, you really can't go wrong. I yeah. think we're going to go to a new place, Q39, okay. uh, and check that out. But um, you definitely have to get some barbecue when you go to KC. It's, it's a must, right? We were just talking about that. And you don't mind these Thursday night games. You don't mind the weekend. You don't mind the extended buy for, for week 16. Much like the players, I like the days you get off on the back end. So I'm okay with a Thursday night game every once in a while, sprinkling it in. And I think at this point of the season, too, players could use a little extra time. And I think they probably will welcome that that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just sitting around and watching football. Eric Williams with a return to Chargers Weekly, coming strong. I tell you, we we save you for the most critical games on the slate, man. I appreciate your time. (laughs) I appreciate it. Well, hopefully it's not another three months before we talk. And that's going to do it. A big thanks to Eric Williams, Joe Reedy, Patrick Claibon, Matt Bowen, Colleen Wolf, and Joe Buck for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, be sure to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please help spread the word. Enjoy the game, and until next time, I'm Chris Hayreed.